my friend, and welcome to Art, Magic, and Medicine, a podcast about the ways that living creatively and sharing vulnerably, really from the heart, connects us as human beings and brings us back into wholeness, both individually and collectively. I think that when we make things, we are remaking ourselves, and we are remaking this tender world that we're living in right now. So I welcome you to listen in as I talk to visionary artists and creatives, and we go through navigating the creative process while staying heart-centered, connected, and in community, and what that means, what it looks like. I'm Robin Mayberry, and I'm an artist and an energy alchemist. I love things that are imperfect, unfinished, and full of story. It is an absolute honor to share these conversations with you, and I'm so glad that you're here. Enjoy the episode. Hello, this is Robin Mayberry here, and we're going to take a few minutes today. I'm going to share a little bit of my story here with you on the pod, as folks are saying, folks cooler than me, calling it the pod. So today on Art, Magic, and Medicine, I wanted to take a few minutes to kind of just share with you what my story is around using or actually really tapping into the capacity of art making and creativity as a healing mechanism. So how this kind of showed up for me and consequently how it might show up for you. So um, I always just kind of like hearing people's stories. I'm not one that wants to tell other people really what to do, but I love to share stories. And so this story is going to be really about recovery from drug and alcohol abuse and art making and how they came together and how they've stayed together and how they have helped my um, world be what it is now, which is a pretty extraordinary life. And um, I certainly can't complain. I have I have all of the um, love that I could ask for, the friends, the family, too many pets. Um, I have the material things that I need. I have work that I love. I have the opportunity that my favorite thing really is to create and to just generate, you know, things into the world that didn't exist before I came along. Like that is my fave and I get to do that. So my life is good. Uh, but to track back, the truth is for me that creativity has been a key, a linchpin in my overall growth and healing and um, you know, the high quality of my life. So that's what I'm going to share about. Um, so yes, we're going to be talking a little bit about the fact that I am in recovery from drug and alcohol abuse. So, um, I guess I'll just start there. Uh, I had the opportunity to interview another artist, Emma Freeman, and, um, a few last season, and we talked somewhat about the experience of being in recovery and as an artist, and it's kind of I guess I'm, I count myself lucky because I was an artist second, so I didn't have to get out of the habit of equating alcohol with art because there's a lot of that. So that is not a habit I had to break because I didn't become an artist until I got sober. Um, but if you've spent any time in the art world, you know, the wine pours freely generally. And um, so if you are getting into recovery and you're already in that world, um, you know, there's just another just another element of life that might need to be navigated. But in my case, I did not have to navigate that because um, I am a pretty serious alcoholic and that is not visible on me now. My life is really, like I said, I look like an ordinary person. I look like a minivan mom. You know, I'm just shopping in the store. You don't know. Um, However, before recovery, before I got, before I got into recovery, which also involved AA, I'm active in AA as well. um, Yeah, I was a mess. 
is, is the <laughs> short story. I spent my, I started drinking seriously when I was about 18, my freshman year in college and kept it up with gusto till I was about 28. So a good 10 years were the priority. I mean, I'm simplifying because I think, um, the substance abuse experience is different for everyone and it's complex and it tends to get simplified into, I just was drinking all the time and ruining my life. Um, and so I was about to tell that story, but I'm going to just take a little step back and just say, um, in the event that maybe you experience this or you know someone that experiences this, it's never that simple. It's not like I was just like, you know, I'm just going to drink all the time and like ruin any opportunity that might come my way and just blow all my energy and money and time and everything on just getting wasted all the time for the fun of it. No, the truth is that I had a lot of trauma that I didn't know how to deal with. And I, just, I walked into my adult life completely unprepared to be an adult. I just had no emotional maturity. I had a lot of baggage. I did not know what to do with it. And like many people before me and after me, I did discover that getting drunk helped and smoking pot. Those were, were my two big things. So, um, you know, I, I played with as many addicts. Well, I played with a little bit of everything, but those two things, I liked to smoke the weed as the kids call it now. Um, and I liked to drink the alcohol and, um, and I did a lot of it, but I did a lot of it all from 18 to 28, basically a broad sweep. There were here and there. I tried to, you know, put the brakes on cause you know, there's always consequences. <laughs> the, the usual story of a person with substance abuse issues is that there's periods where you're like, Oh, maybe I should like not do this for a while. But if you are, if you really have the brain that loves to go on certain tracks as I do, that is, it's hard to mean, it's very difficult to just stop doing, using a substance if you are sort of a biological addict, which I am. And so my, my body was like, woo, let's just do more of this. I don't care what happens. I don't care if you get arrested. I don't care if your liver breaks down. I don't care if you're you know, losing all your friends. Like, I don't care. So that's how it went. And so a good 10 years, good, really high quality years that other people use to like do important things in their life, 18 to 28. Nah, I was getting drunk. So that's a backstory there. Um, it was my lifestyle. It was the only way I knew how to cope with life. And there you have it. But after about 28 things, it took a long time for the freight train to stop. So I started stopping around 28 and I did what they call an AA, a geographical cure, which is that I moved across the country. I was living in Massachusetts. I moved to Washington state, you know, for a fresh start. Most people typically just freshly start doing <laughs> what they were doing before. But, um, my higher power, whom I call God, which is, you know, Anyway, another AA thing you hear people say, I call God, God. Um, I, I will just pause and say, that's just my shorthand for God, spirit, universe, goddess, the light, the source, blah, 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 whatever. I just call it God because that's easier. Anyway, God took it upon his little self to plunk me into a town that is 100% loaded with drunks. I live in this tiny little town that there's really almost nothing to do except drink. And I couldn't meet another alcoholic to save myself. It was crazy. I moved here and I was like, all right, who wants to drink? And like, I kept meeting, I mean, I, yes, I moved here to change my life, by the way. Um, and yet I did the thing that alcoholics do, which is like, well, now that I'm here, I might as well check out the bars. And I could not find anyone to drink with, which is uh, like crazy because this town is like... <laughs> all people do. And yet I couldn't find any of those people. You know who I met right away, honestly, when I moved here. And at that point, I had just turned 29 was artists. 
I kept meeting artists. So among them, I met my husband, and uh, which is why I'm still here. I was supposed to just move to this little town and kind of just, I don't know, figure myself out and then go back to Massachusetts and live my life. That was the idea. However, I met my husband, and he is, have you, you've probably heard me, if you've listened to any other of these episodes, I talk about him a lot, because he's what I like to think of as a bona fide artist. He's one of those artists that, you know, um, he knew he was an artist. I mean, his identity as an artist was established as early as like two years old for him. That's what he did. He could draw like, you know, complete figures by the time he was two and three years old. All he did was draw. Then he, you know, he got through school and then he went to art school and he was in art school for 10 years. And like, he is artist capital A. That's what, it's his identity. And at the time, I thought of myself as a writer more than an artist. I am a writer as well. But um, at the time, I did not think of myself as a visual artist at all. So I met him and I met his cadre of friends and they became my friends and none of them stink and drank, which was, I mean, they'd have a half a glass of wine and leave it sitting there. And I'd be like, are you going to drink that wine? Like what's happening over there with the wine? Anyway, um, so God had me already lined up to get into recovery, but it took years and years and years. I stayed with Scott is my husband's name. We stayed together. We got married. Um, we started having kids. And each time that I was pregnant, I wasn't drinking when I was pregnant. So those were long stretches where I was like, okay, this is what life looks like without drinking. But to my mind, it was pretty dull because I had no idea what else to do with myself. This is all a lot of backstory, <laughs> but what the heck? I'm going to pl- hope you're playing along. Anyway, I had these ext- longer and longer periods over the course of a couple of years where I wasn't drinking or using any drugs partly because I was pregnant or because my life was changing or then I got a job. Um, actually, I was a 911 operator, so um, I wasn't allowed to smoke pot anymore because it's law enforcement and it wasn't legal at the time. All this stuff, all this stuff kept putting the brakes on. And then another whole part of me was like, well, now what now what's happening here? Because I was really enjoying getting drunk all the time, but like it wasn't wasn't working for me, but I had nothing else. So that's this is where I'm getting. I couldn't really drink anymore. My life wasn't lining up. My body wasn't lining up. It clearly was not meant for me. I was healing on a lot of levels. Like I wasn't just sitting around drinking the whole time. That whole 10 years in my 20s ish, I was doing tons of personal work. I was doing, I was, I was the one in the bookstore when the personal development shelf had like three books on it and I would buy all the three books. Now the personal development shelf is like a rack of shelves and there's hundreds and hundreds of books and never mind you get on Kindle or YouTube or whatever. But I was, this way back in the nineties, cause I old and I was reading all the personal development books. I was praying, I was journaling. I was just doing my work any way that I knew to do it. And I was actually starting to make some progress. <laughs> I was starting to just work through my stuff. I was starting to let emotional stuff go, starting to retrain my brain. I was starting to soothe my music, uh, my, my nervous system. Da, da, da. So there was this whole overlap. However, so then I have like a couple of really awkward years where I don't know what I'm doing with myself. I have little kids. I've just gotten married. Like I didn't really mean for any of that to happen. It just kind of all sort of happened. It wasn't a plan. The plan was that I was just going to sort of like be free and just kind of run around the world partying forever. But that's not what happened. And so then I kind of don't know where I'm at. And basically just enough, enough time goes by. And I finally, I had a series of 
experiences that were, I mean, really not much different than many other times that the universe made it clear, like, ah, oh, the drinking, the drinking's not really working, you know, and I had another series of those, but for some reason, whatever, I finally got something clicked, you know, in me, and I was like, you know, I really, I got to stop it with the drinking, like, the drinking's just not working out, and again, I say drinking is shorthand for anything that was altering my consciousness in a, in a significant way, it wasn't working out, it was literally not working on it. I couldn't even catch a buzz. It was not doing anything except create damage. So that became obvious. And then, you know, like I say, at this point, some people can drink with children, I guess. Um, some people can have children and drink. You know, you certainly hear that. Some people are like, oh, I can't wait for the, you know, it's mommy's wine time and that's mommy's juice and stuff like that. If I could have done that, believe me, I would have done it. But I, I guess I'm just too much of an alcoholic and I just could not both be a parent and a drunk. I couldn't. If I could have, I would have, but I couldn't do it. So anyway, I had to change and it finally all became clear and some shifts occurred and I did end up getting involved with AA, which um, gets a bad rap, but actually uh, sometimes some people love it, some people don't. I really have, it's been really beneficial for me and I've met some of my absolute most favorite friends in life through that community. So I have um, good things to say about it in my own experience. However, here's where we're getting this many minutes into my spiel, <laughs> I did get sober. I did start going to AA, which is, um, in a nutshell, it really leads you down a different path. It is, a, AA is a spiritual program. It's about like, instead of drinking, what if you let God run your life? Like that's, that's the upshot of it. So I was like, okay. And then I started seeing a therapist and, uh, or they sort of all went together. Anyway, I was shortly, I hadn't been sober very long. Once again, like I had been diddling around with it, but I really didn't know what to do with myself. I still didn't know what to do with my emotional state. Like I was a little bit better at it, but not great. Let me tell you, nothing drives your emotional state wild, like having a toddler and like a one-year-old because, <laughs> you know, they don't care about your feelings. They, <laughs> they only care about their feelings. So, you know, there was a lot of feelings happening. I was working a stressful job. I was still in the 911. I was still a 911 operator. You know, there's a lot of, you witness a lot of trauma doing that job. So it was a lot of secondary trauma you know, it was kind of a mess and I didn't know what to do with it. And I wasn't drinking anymore. So I go to therapy and she does this little, some kind of little thing a ding that was sort of like a hypnosis thing. And it brings up this inner child thing in me, which ordinarily I hate. Like if I go to a therapist and she tells me, you're going to like hold your little self, like she's a teddy bear. I'm up and out. Like, no, it's not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I don't know. It's just a thing. However, this particular therapist was able to get through to me, like, hey, why don't we just give this a whirl? And we gave it a whirl, and it turned out that I had a young part of myself, and this really surprised me a lot. A, a young part of myself, like, popped up, and she was like, so what does this young part of yourself want to do? And I said, I want to paint. I had no idea that that was in me anywhere. I did not. I, I Like I say, I developed my writing skills. I went to college for it took me a long time, but I got an English degree. I fancied myself like I was going to be a professional writer. Um, I, you know, writing comes easily to me and blah, blah, blah. So I really put all my, like, looked in a totally different direction for my creative self-expression. Um, but this, shortly after I got sober, and I can't figure out what I'm going to do with my life, and I go to see this therapist, and it pops out I want to paint. And, I was, and she's like, well, I guess you should go get yourself some paints. <laughs> so. It's like, okay. And of course, I had no idea how to paint. The last time that I um, did any kind of serious art classes was like um, elementary school. You know, I had a good art teacher in elementary school who did 
um, teach some of the basics, you know, and a couple, couple good years there of learning some art skills when I was very young, but that was it. And then pursue that because I don't like to draw. And maybe some of you can identify with that, but because I don't like to draw, I just find drawing really tedious and boring. Like I can kind of do it. And sometimes every now and then I get a wild hair, I'm going to draw that thing. But overall, like my, my second child, my second son loves to draw and just always has his sketchbook and his iPad and this and that and that so that every free second he could be drawing. And that's what I always thought an artist was. And my husband's the same way. And I was not that way. And I'm still not that way. I don't, I just think drawing is kind of tedious and the art, the typical art path that I was exposed to, you love to draw, you draw all the time. You can't put your sketchbook down. So then you take all the art classes in like middle and high school and any time you can elect to it. And then you go into college and you start taking those classes and then you're just down the chute. Well, I didn't go down that chute. So I had no idea how to paint zero. And of course I was married to a guy and am married to a guy who totally knows how to paint, but he knows how to paint so well that I didn't really want to ask him. And he, you know, he's, I mean, he's really, he's an expert painter. I, I, his, his imagery is not for everyone, but I rarely hear anyone doubt that the guy knows how to paint because he does. Uh, so I didn't really want to ask him like, honey, how do you paint? <laughs> because, you know, he, um, it was so far beyond me. I didn't even know what question to ask. So anyway, this is where I land. I'm newly, so my point that I'm driving at here is how this all came together. So this is all 18 years ago, by the way. This is a long time ago. So I'm 35 at that time. Now I'm 53. And my life is really kind of getting underneath me. But I have to find some other way because I'm not going to drink and smoke anymore, I realize at that point. It's like, that's over for me. And so what am I going to do instead? And so this is where my creative my visual art life started. And I will just say, because I'm surrounded, I know, I know a lot of people and our, our local community has a really amazing art community. There's a, there's a good art, there's a college here in this town, there's a college town and there's a really good art department and it turns out a lot of really good artists and there's a lot of galleries and events and art centers and workshops. There's, there's a lot of art to be had here. And I, I had to, I had to just make peace and I continue to have to make peace with the fact that the way I do art and why I do art is really different from uh, what I, I think of as sort of a typical artist, or even to this day, I have a tendency to think of as a real artist. <laughs> I, I have to, I have to catch myself in that and reroute it, but I still have a tendency to think, oh, those people are the real artists and I'm over here just fooling around. Well, that might be true, but it doesn't really matter because my art practice has saved my life. And I'll show you, uh, let me just tell you how. So I started doing some painting and pretty quickly, because again, I don't, uh, painting actually turned out to be the thing I least like to do. Um, it turns out that I like the most to work with um, fabric, textiles, and stuff like that, um, mixed media, art journaling, and encaustics, which is, which is painting, but it's painting with melted wax. What all of these things have in common are a textile or a, a tactile element. I like working with things. I like working with my hands. Painting, you work with a brush. 
And I really just gravitate to art practices where things are moving through my hands, where I've got glue on my hands, where I'm rubbing paper, where I'm stitching. And I'm, you know, I'm really like, I just, I'm a tactile person. I'm a kinesthetic learner, a tactile person. I got to feel things. It reroutes something in my brain. Anyway, so I started pursuing this. And another little miracle that happened is that while I was still working in 911, which didn't last too much longer after I got into recovery, um, because I realized how stressful it was. <laughs> Once I wasn't numbing it out, I was like, ooh, yeah, this is pretty hard on me. <laughs> anyway, uh, but I was still working there, and this gal that was also working there, she was really, this is like now, um, what, early 2000s. And so I don't know if some of you have been around. There was the stamping craze that went through the world, <laughs> the world of makers. And uh, she came in, and she was a stamper. And I had just started playing around, you know, with just expressing myself visually and doing a little painting. Oh, one of the things that I did where I was like, oh, I think I might be onto something is I did, <laughs> I still remember this, I did this collage of just magazine things, you know, sort of a half vision board thing. And it was like, had a lot of like red and cracked and like just looked, it looked, it looked angry. <laughs> it's how it looked. And I showed this to my husband. I was like, look, this is all about passion. And he was like, are you, are you sure? <laughs> I looked at it again. I was like, "Ooh, yeah, I, mm, I, there might be, some, <laughs> might be something underneath there." So, working with visual symbols started exposing like um, little pockets of unhealed wounds, if you will, really pretty early on. So, anyway, this gal comes in and she's a stamper. And the thing about nine one one is it can be crazy, crazy busy. It's a little like war. You're either bored or stressed, <laughs> but it can be super busy and your hair's coming out or it can be really quiet for hours at a time, just kind of depends on what's happening out there in the world. So we would have like time to do things, you know, you get all your work done and then you kind of have time. People would read books or whatever. And so she brought in all her stamping stuff and we started like stamping and making little arty things. And then that, uh, I think that same gal, uh, helped me become aware of the, um, Somerset studio magazines, which are still around, but back in the, in the, early aughts. Oh my God, how old am I? Um, it was the, the Somerset studio, the whole magazine, like now there's like six magazines and they're also kind of split off, you know, your, your, your studio and your, there's one for fabric and there's one for mixed media and there's one for, you know, whatever. I don't know. They're all different magazines and they all cost a fortune. But at the time it was all kind of crammed into one magazine. So is this really like, I don't know. I just, it turned me on. I was like, these magazines, plus the fact that I realized that I could make things just by cutting up paper, stamping images on it, coloring the images, like it was the beginning. I don't do that anymore. But I was like, oh my God, I can make art. Because again, I don't like to draw. So I could make art by collaging things that I thought looked like passion, but actually were like clearly about rage. <laughs> I could make art that way. I could make art by stamping. I could make art pretty quickly. You know, my little piles of papers and stamps, I started like working with them differently. And then that Somerset Studio magazine, if you're not familiar with it, um, you know, you can find copies and it's pretty, it was, it was pretty cool. I mean, it's dated now. I think when I look at old ones, I'm like, yeah, you know, there was, there was a phase of art making that went through. Um, but I started making layered pieces and things that went on the wall, you know, instead of just like cards, like I started making art. Like it's, I, I, I got to a point where I was like, oh my God, this is a thing. And it's like, you, all you're supposed to do is look at it and either put it on the wall or I pretty quickly got into art journaling where you just put it in a book. But the point is to look at it. And that is art. 
I was like, oh my God, I'm making art. I can't even believe it. That's where it started. Every single time I engaged with making something, got my hands, got my hands dirty, got my hands engaged with making something, something shifted in my psyche. And like I said, no longer, I had made the choice and committed to the choice and I still continue to commit to the choice that I don't use drugs and alcohol. I have to find another way to express myself, to soothe myself, to, like not to numb because numbing doesn't work. If you've read any Brene Brown, then you know that if you, you can't only numb pain. If once you numb, you've numbed everything. So therefore your life is numb and that's not very fun. And I figured that out. So I had to find another way to cope just to get through life. And every single time I made something, something shifted. And I made this connection pretty early on, like, it might not be a straight line. Like I'm feeling really upset. Now I'm going to make a painting about being upset. Like I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't work that way for me. But there is something about opening up the pathway, my right brain, working with symbolism, which is how I see working with collage images and stuff like that is just pulling symbols, letting something that my left brain is very busy. My left brain is well-developed. It wants to make a lot of stories and patterns. It wants to figure everything out like real quick. But when I open up the access to my right brain, that's where the wisdom is. And it sometimes takes me a long time for my left brain to make any sense of it. I will make some picture of some things and it just feels like something came through. And sometimes I can be like, this is about blah, blah, blah. This is telling me blah, 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 sometimes. And sometimes it's just like there was an expression and it just takes the pressure off. It changes my state in a way that's harmless and in fact beneficial. So sometimes I make things that other people like. Hey, isn't that nice? Um, sometimes I make things that are just like, they're not even finished. I just put some stuff down for a little while. Like again, I do a lot of art journaling and um, I don't, a lot of times I don't show what I'm making, especially with art journaling. Like I love Instagram and on there, art.magic.medicine. If you don't follow me on yet, yet on Instagram, um, I love posting the stuff I do, but I don't really always show my art journal stuff. Cause a lot of it is like, I work in layers and I'll just put some layers down on something. And it's not, it doesn't look satisfying to me. It doesn't look complete to me. It doesn't look like this is the thing I'm going to take a picture of and put on Instagram, but just putting the stuff on the paper. Like yesterday, I was just playing around with some collage elements that I, I got from a, a local artist. And, um, and I was really excited. I got this big pile of like cool vintage things. And I was like, Ooh, I'm just gonna cut it up and glue it on a page. It's not really anything yet. But just doing the activity changes my the balance of my, in my autonomic nervous system, really, I go from being fight or flight, fight, what do they say now? Fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Um, I am really, I've given a lot of time to developing my sympathetic nervous system. My fight or flight is well developed. I need more time on the rest and digest side. That's the parasympathetic side of the nervous system. And when I'm making art, that happens. It's just, it just kicks on the whole other side of my system, my right brain, my calm side of the system. You actually, because I'm also a, you know, I'm a, I, do, I do healing work. I do massage and body talk and coaching and all that kind of stuff. I can tell you, I know from ex my own experience and the experience of my clients, you have to be in that calm state to do any kind of healing. 
your body will not heal when it's freaked out because it, the priority is survival. So if your body is reading, or if my body, if my body's reading like, this situation is not safe, it's not going to be doing any unpacking of deep emotional trauma. It's like, no, I'm just trying to stay alive. So the more that I can give playtime to the part of myself that is calm and relaxed and kind of going with the flow and allowing allowing spirit to move through me the it's it creates a healing state in me and then from there i can go out and create a healing state for other people and for me making something with my hands is pivotal there's other things that i do as well here and there i dabble with a little meditation i'm not really disciplined enough for it um, i do breath work not really disciplined to do that regularly either, but it's pretty, it's pretty amazing when I do it. I get body work, like massage and stuff like that. I do journaling here and there, not as much as I did in my angsty earlier years, but I will write stuff down, you know, if I've got stuff going on. So I do other things that can support my well-being and let things process. I, right now I don't have a therapist, but I have, and I would again, if I needed one, I have a coach right now. And I, you know, I, 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 bring in people into my life that can support me. However, there's just this, like, I have to know that there's something that I can do to change my state that's going to be he truly healing and not just suppressing or numbing. So that's what my art practice is for me. And as I've gone along, I've developed some other things. In fact, I'm getting ready to um, re -re uh, reintroduce, re-release um, another series of soul journal circles, which are freaking awesome. So we get together and we do some um, writing prompts and we are around different themes. So I'm going to be doing the 2020, all the Zodiac um, themes of 2023. So there's going to be all year long, 2023. So anyway, um, you can look in the show notes if you want some more information about that. But we do some writing prompts and then we go through an art journal process together as a group on Zoom. And it's super cool because this is what happens to people is as soon as they've had this, if going through this process of dropping in, just giving yourself a minute to just talk and it doesn't have to make sense and it doesn't have to be good and it doesn't have to be something you're going to show on Instagram or that you're even going to show anybody but it might be it could be that's you know that's just another way it might express itself but letting letting your soft self speak is so so really the word for me is healing it creates wholeness and that is how i think of healing to me i don't see that we're broken I see that we're separate. We're separate from ourselves. We, we, we split off, we splinter. So this is the way I see like healing work in general is that we get splintered from our own knowing. We get splintered from our connection to the planet and to our connection to God, to our connection to each other. And then we suffer. And to me, healing is bringing those splinters back together, bringing our full awareness of who we are back together. And then we're able to be more present to the people in our life. And we're be able to be more considerate to the planet we live on. And we're able to hear what our higher power has to say to us by bringing ourselves back together. So to me, that is healing. And to me, doing work like the art journaling, which I call soul journaling, because why not? So doing soul journaling, doing... and. Any, any kind of making that involves a message moving through my hands, whether I, whether my left brain can make sense of that message or not, whether anybody else enjoys what I made or not, really secondary. It's the, the, 
the beauty of it is the making itself and it has changed my life actually i'm gonna just i'm gonna i'm gonna amend that i feel like it was always waiting for me and it wasn't like my how do i say this i feel like who i who i am kind of it's like if i were a a a, um a train who i am kind of clicked onto the locomotive when i discovered making creative things when i discovered being an artist which i can say now with a straight face i am an artist for sure Um, i'm not the same kind of artist as other artists but who is so i am an artist and when my little train hooked onto the locomotive of making art it has taken me places i don't know how how else i would have gotten there and so with that in mind the whole point of this whole little diddly do was to share with you that that's available it's i i am i hope that i am if nothing else what do they say if you can't be a warning if you can't be an example then be a warning <laughs> so the warning is don't spend your whole entire life just getting drunk because it doesn't feel very good after a while but if you need something else to do then any form of moving paint around on a paper or collage like any kind of art making any kind of art making can open things up for you that there is no other there's no other key to the door so all this to say if you ever doubt that taking the time to do your art is if you ever wonder what the value of of it is you know maybe you're maybe you don't sell your work very often maybe you do um maybe it's not you know your main thing that you do all day maybe you've got a full-time job or maybe you've got you know other responsibilities most of us do maybe you think that an artist should be like this or shouldn't be like that and so what are you doing I am here to say that every single time you just stop what you're doing, put the world aside for a minute and make something, even if it's for 30 seconds, you have reset your compass. You have, you've brought your deep self, your aligned self up to something that you can work with. And it just, it's so restorative. And then from that place, you can go forward into the world and your choices will be different. Your conversations will be different. They'll be calmer. They'll be quieter. They'll be truer to who you are because you've activated that part of yourself that's just sitting there quiet until you tap it. Because the loud, you know, the busy, the sympathetic side of the nervous system is all blah, 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 going to run around and go do this and blah, 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 and can keep us from ever dripping, not dripping, I want to say dipping, dipping down into that quiet, calm, rich part of ourselves is just waiting for us. And I really feel like we all could use a little more of that. And even if we're getting a lot of it, get a little more because it just feels so dang good. And it's good for the world. And it's good for you. And it's good for me. So I hope that this little tale was edifying to you. And I really enjoyed sharing it with you. And thank you so much for spending your few minutes with me. And I hope that you will, next chance you get, get out your art supplies, make something. And if you want to um, share it, if you're like an Instagrammer and you want to share it, uh, then you can tag um, or tag tag me at art.magic.medicine. I would love to see what you're making. This is a community thing. We're all in this together. Let's raise the vibration of our world 
through making. And just to let you know, um, I will be offering those um, monthly journal circles again, starting in actually on January 1st. So there'll be a little more information coming out about that uh, later this week. So if you want to be on the mailing list to make sure you know about it, just go to robinmayberry.com, Robin like the bird, Mayberry like the town, dot com. And uh, my newsletter is called The Grotto because it's a sacred space where we can be restored. Okay, my friend, you're absolutely wonderful. Go make things. I hope to see you soon. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Art, Magic, and Medicine. I hope that it helped you feel creative and connected and energized and ready to be who you are in the world in a way that only you can be. To keep in touch, be sure to follow the show, especially on iTunes. And I invite you to join my email list at robinmayberry.com where I'll let you know about upcoming episodes and events and occasionally brilliant essays coming out to you as well. So looking forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you so much for being here.